If you'll all remain calm, no one will get hurt. Just why are you doing this? These are all one-of-a-kind clothes, Rudy. I intend to add them to my wardrobe. Let no one say that Catwoman is not the best-dressed woman in the world. There are no fashion shows where you're going, Catwoman. And how could a feline feloness like you also be a fashion model? Uh-oh. Credit what credit is due, Robin. She may be evil, but she is attractive. You'll know more about that in a couple of years. Now, are you coming quietly, Catwoman, or must we use force? Your silver-tongued oratorio has convinced me, Batman. I hereby remit myself to your muscular custody. Don't try to pull the wool over our eye slits. Now, would I do a thing like that? Welcome to episode 24 of Legends of the Batman, the greatest Batman podcast on the internet, hosted by two guys named Michael. My name is Michael Bradley. And I'm Michael Kaiser. This episode, we are wrapping up October 1940 in our chronological look at Batman stories with coverage of the fourth and final story from Batman number three. In my opinion, it's the weakest of the book, so we're not exactly going out on a bang, but maybe I'll change my mind after we talk about it. Our our new format style takes forever to get through a month now. Yeah, just the months with Batman. Yeah. The ones where we just have a Detective Comics issue will be easy. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. If you missed the first three stories from the book, be sure to go back and listen to the last three episodes of the show where you can hear about the strange case of the Diabolical Puppet Master, the Ugliest Man in the World, and the Crime School for Boys. Uh, but before we actually get into the fourth story, we've actually got a couple emails and a couple iTunes reviews to go through. Yes, we do. Our first email is from Devin Johnson, and he writes short but sweet. I love your podcast. I listened to the first few seconds, and I was instantly hooked. You guys are awesome. Yay! Awesome, Devin. Thank you. That's Thank all you. we need to hear, really. That's perfect. Um, and then we got Calvin Bose, who is our fan club president. Sorry, Steve Rogers, but you snooze, you lose. Um, in the last episode, they said that if kids went to church and did community activities, there would be no crime. Here is the question. What is the church group and community group that Bruce makes Dick go to? I don't think he's involved in any. Does that mean by Batman's logic that Dick will become a hardcore criminal sometime? Um, I can see it now. Batman arresting a 32-year-old Dick Grayson, and he asks, where did I go wrong? You never took me to church. So now I'm a robber, murderer, and rapist, and it's all your fault. Actually, that would have been a cool story. Keep up the good work on your show. I think that guy's called Jason Todd. Yes, but, I think uh, so too. Uh, and Dick is going to the uh, Church of Batman, so there you go. it all works out. We also had a couple iTunes reviews. First up, from Alyssa's account, and it reads, 
Both mics do a great job on covering Batman. Mike and Mike are the best podcasts, along with John M. Wilson in comics. Thanks, guys, for coming back to the Legends of the Batman. Oh, whoa, whoa. Why did they throw in this John M. Wilson thing? I don't know. He doesn't even talk about Batman. I know. He's all about sense. Superman and... Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yeah. Anyway. Uh, and then we got another one from GatorFan6789. And <laughs> this person writes, Mike and Mike do the best, along with John M. Wilson. Are th- <laughs> Mike and Mike do the best, along with John M. Wilson, are the best comic podcasts in the bus. What? Best comic podcasters in the business? Biz? Maybe, maybe that's what they meant. Yeah, okay. it's a little weird. Uh, thanks for coming back to Legends of the Batman. Awesome. I think John's been hiring people to do iTunes reviews for us. Or people want him to be on this show. Maybe. Maybe. But they're both five stars, so. Hey, there you go. There you go. Cool. All right, but now on to the final bit of October 1940. We have, in between the cool stories, there's a little bit of nonsense. We have a a half-page comic thing called Silly Stuff, which was written and drawn by Nobody Knows. Um, at least and it makes no sense. I read it. It makes no sense. Yeah, it's a bunch of. I think it's like one-panel humor gags that are that look like they're supposed to tie into one another, but they don't. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> After that, we have a one-pager humor strip called Dinky by Henry Baltanoff, and it's about a kid who spends the entire strip religiously trying to work out, only to find. Or, and then we find out the reason why is because his mom is going to make him wear something sissy to school tomorrow. Uh, ha ha, funny. Okay, so after that we have a one-page, uh, one of those facts pieces by, called The Odd Side of War, where it's a bunch of different facts, and it's by Fred West. Probably most of those aren't true, as we've, <laughs> as we've come to decide. Yeah. And then after that is a two-page text piece by Norman Goss called A Blow for England, which I didn't really read, but it was about war refugees, or kid or refugees or something. Mm. But anyway, then we get on to something cooler. A couple nice little uh, illustrations with that. I don't know who did those, but... Anyway. Yeah, I never know either. They never really seem to give credit to that. But but as for our Batman story, it was 13 pages, like always, and it was written by Bill Finger, penciled by Bob Kane, inked by Jerry Robinson and George Rousseau, lettered by George Rousseau, and like the entire issue, edited by Whitney Ellsworth. And I think we're to the point where we could just pretty much put those on loop and, and repeat the same <laughs> clip every episode. But yeah, really. Batman, eerie nemesis of crime, and his young daredevil aide, Robin, the boy wonder, find themselves crossing the trail of a familiar figure, the beautiful and clever woman called the Cat. The Catwoman, who flirts with danger and death. In the grim contest between a man and a woman, who will win? Who will be the victor in the game of... The Batman versus the Catwoman. As we begin, one of the city's many millionaire couples arrives home. They begin to lock up their jewels when a strange figure with a woman's body and a cat head slinks into their home. Holding them at gunpoint, the figure swipes their jewels before disappearing back into the darkness. News spreads of the cat's latest heist, and the public grows angry at the police's inability to stop her. Police Commissioner Gordon chews out his officers and finally assigns Detective McGonagall to the case. Elsewhere, Bruce Wayne sees the headlines about the cat and tells Dick Grayson that this is a job for the totally awesome Batman. He doesn't actually say that, but 
I'd like to think that he knows he's totally awesome. So, heading out on patrol, the Batman sees three men attacking another. One of them stabs the victim, and the Batman leaps forward, dishing out a round of powerhouse blows to two of the thugs. The murderer comes after Batman, but our hero whirls and counters with a totally awesome Bat-Judo flip. The Batman then attends to their victim, who is able to utter, Diamond Syndicate, coming on ship, warn them, warn them of... Before breathing his last. One of the thugs then hits Batman with a blackjack and knocks him out. But the crooks make a run for it when they see McGonagall coming after them. As the car speeds off, McGonagall notices the Batman lying on the ground and promptly slaps a set of cuffs on his wrists. When the Batman revives, McGonagall tells him he's under arrest. But the Batman just knocks him down and runs away. The next morning, Bruce sees a headline that the murdered man was secretary of the Diamond Syndicate and pays a visit to his good friend, Commissioner Gordon. As it happens, Gordon is heading out to visit the syndicate, so he invites Bruce along. Once there, they meet Hoffer, Blake, and Daryl, and learn the syndicate is planning a salon show the next night to showcase a new, newly received shipment of diamonds. Gordon speculates that some group is after the diamonds and offers added security. Once back at home, Bruce and Dick make plans for the show, while elsewhere, the cat also makes plans of her own. The next night, Bruce is in attendance as the show begins, and models show off the fabulous jewels. Finally, the show nears its climax, and the last model comes out, showing the most valuable of the gems. But without warning, the model throws something to the ground, causing a blinding flash, and then makes a run for it. Once inside an elevator, the model removes her blonde wig and puts on the mask of the cat. She's able to evade the police, but is grabbed by a pair of thugs and forced into a waiting car. As the car speeds away, it's followed by a smaller car piloted by none other than Robin, the boy wonder. Back at the salon, the Batman swings off, soon arriving at the home of Daryl. Daryl is pacing nervously, waiting for a phone call, and is surprised by the Batman's sudden appearance. He pulls a gun, but is knocked out by the Batman, who then calls Robin via a wireless set. Robin tells the Batman his hunch was right, and the Batman grabs Daryl and soon meets up with Robin. The Batman then forces Daryl through the door of a nearby building, where he sees Hoffer holding the cat at gunpoint. Apparently, Hoffer and Daryl had hired the cat to steal the diamonds, but Hoffer decided he wanted a bigger cut and had planned on killing the cat and Daryl. Before he can pull the trigger, the Batman and Robin bust in and do what they do best, making quick work of the thugs. Once the thugs are taken care of, the Batman unties the cat, who leaps at Hoffer, intent on clawing out his eyes. The Batman pulls the cat off and ties up Hoffer and his men. Hoffer says they may have caught them, but they have no proof of any misdeeds. But the Batman reveals that Robin is wearing a special wristwatch-style camera, and that they have photos of him trying to kill Daryl and the cat. After several panels of exposition, the Batman tells the cat that they have to take her in, too. She says she wants to thank him first for saving her life, and then throws her arms around his neck and kisses him. But suddenly, the cat shoves the Batman backwards into the next room, slamming the door behind her. By the time Batman and Robin get outside, the cat is long gone, much to Robin's dismay. Later, the Batman delivers the stolen jewels in a note of exposition to McGonagall, who swears that even though the Batman solved the case, he'll still bring in the Batman someday. And still elsewhere, the cat drives away, thinking it would be a nice night for a drive if the Batman were by her side. The end. Yay. Yay. <laughs> How enthusiastic was that, huh? Uh, yeah, I wasn't. Uh, 
wasn't too cr- cracked up about this story, but it was okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But guess what? Awesome splash page. Another nice splash page. <laughs> I know. It's gonna be if we if we actually do this year end contest, it's gonna be difficult. But yeah, I'm thinking we're gonna have to raise our standards on the splash pages since they've all pretty much qualified as nice splashes so far. Well, this one won't win for me because I think Batman's head looks a little too big for his body or something. Mm. Or, or he doesn't have a neck. I don't know. Yeah, it does look kind of, like it's kind of just kind of floating there. Yeah. But otherwise, it's neat. We have a little tiny Robin way in the background. Yeah. Good thing he's there, I guess. <laughs> uh, and we start off the story with more millionaires. Ah, yes. I think that's why there's so much crime in this city is because it's full of millionaires. Or, yeah, so many mental patients, anyway. <laughs> the guys who didn't make it into the Millionaire's Club just go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, this is our first... Uh, I don't really know if this is the only time she's going to be like this. I know it doesn't last long, but... Uh, no, her next appearance, she has the cat head as well. Okay. So, yeah. this is this is the first appearance of Catwoman as, as a cat motif villain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really know why the sudden switch. It does seem very, very quick, didn't it? Yeah. Because in her first two appearances, she didn't have any kind of cat motif at all. I mean, it can't, the name The Cat came from the fact that she was a cat burglar. Correct. So, and, and here, it, it doesn't stop with the mask because they talk about her reflexes and her, her cat-like grace and how she's got claws like a cat. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if they were getting like letters from kids confused why... The Batman is batish, but the Catwoman isn't, you know, catish. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we knew ultimately she'd go that direction, but I kind of didn't expect it to just be so sudden. Abrupt. Yeah. Yeah. Just like they flipped a switch and, and she became a villain with a motif. But uh, I mean, ultimately, I like that direction, of course. But um, I don't know if it's it's because of writings or maybe they just decided that Batman needs a animal themed villain or something. I don't know. I don't know. Um, as far as the head, though, specifically, uh, it's pretty goofy. I've seen it before. I've never read an actual story with her sporting this outfit. I've just seen panels on internet, you know, whatever, right. or books or whatever. But uh, it worked a little better for me than I thought it would. Just in the sense, like here on page two, for instance, she looks kind of scary, which is kind of neat. Like when she's yeah opening that window, it's a little creepy. Um. It kind of reminds me of that that uh, I can't remember what it's called now, and I just thought of it right now, so that's why I didn't look it up, folks. <laughs> but uh, you know how Batman had there was a lot of different explanations for his origin, and one of them was about some guy who dressed as a bat, and it was like a serial or a, a movie, an old movie. Oh but, yeah. But it was like more of a literal bat head. Hmm. This kind of reminds me of that, but I'm just glad they didn't go this way with Batman because that wouldn't have worked. Yeah, no, that, yeah. But, yeah. Although they did eventually bring in Man-Bat, but that's a long ways down the road. True. We'll be senior citizens by the time we talk about that story. But Man-Bat actually looks cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. I do. It does kind of bug me that she holds these people up with a gun. First of all, yeah. I, don't, I don't know I've ever seen her use a gun on anybody before. Oh, did she use a gun in the first two stories? I remember she dressed up like a old lady and tried to steal. Right. And then the second one, she saved Robin and Joker, or Joker and Batman fought with swords. So I don't think there was any gun action there either. 
I'm glancing right now through it. It doesn't look like it. It just doesn't. I mean, obviously, I'm putting you know decades of information on this third appearance here, but it's like it just seems like uh, if Batman's going to let this lady get away all the time, then she can't be someone who like endangers people's lives like this. I guess. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, actually. Yeah. Like, I'd rather she just have stole it after they went to bed or weren't there. Or mm-hmm. Just a minor nitpick. But when I saw her pointing a gun at these two poor old people, it was kind of like, whoa, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. But we have more newspapers introduced. Uh-huh. Not to change the subject entirely, but um, this brings us up to 17 now. Wow. And one of them looks like the Daily Planet. I wonder, so. I wonder if all these millionaires became millionaires because they started a... A newspaper company or something. I don't know. Oh, but one of it also again in in the uh, the headlines of the newspapers we get New York references. Oh so yeah. We are still firmly in New York City. Yep, New York City, the authenticated news. Which okay. sounds like a real genuine newspaper. <laughs> I only get authenticated news. Uh, I do like this last panel here on the page though. It, of, it, they they used a similar trick in the, the ugliest man storyline, but mm-hmm. I like it. With her face like busting through the newspaper. Yeah, and all the headlines kind of scattered about. I mean, it it reminds me of the classic movies from around this time, which sure you know, where they had like the headline not montages, you know. And I'm sure that's what was the inspiration of it. But uh, so page three, there's a little bit of sexism going on there. How so? With the uh, I can't believe the cops can't catch her. She's just a girl. Oh, from the from the audience for the, not the audience the uh, newspaper readers the people on the street yeah yeah <laughs> imagine being made fool of by a mere girl <laughs> it is kind of funny that she goes out of her way to wear a cat mask but then she wears like a dress and high heels right it's like yeah. you could you could have been you could have yeah I don't know you could have worn anything and fooled him even further but whatever. <laughs> She likes to dress up, I've noticed. Every story they have her putting on a disguise. Sure. Yeah. That was kind of her thing. I guess. Uh, but in the next panel, we, we meet Commissioner Gordon. Um, uh-huh. And it's, it's interesting how differently Commissioner Gordon and the police are portrayed in these Golden Age stories compared to, uh, like, say, the last three decades. Because here, Gordon is the, the hard-nosed, by the books, always after Batman guy where uh-huh. bronze age forward he's you know he's the one friend batman has in a police force that's riddled with corrupt officers yeah exactly i don't think that corruption thing happened until like way later than people think like the 80s maybe oh uh, i the would whole, be surprised if whole, it happens before the bronze age it probably was frank miller's idea to be honest with you but i could be wrong about that but uh yeah the whole idea that the police force is corrupt and i mean uh I think Earth 2 was a lot nicer than post-crisis, but as far as Gotham City goes. Yeah. But we get – did we say that already? Second appearance, last appearance of, of Second McGon- appearance of McGonagall. Yep. McGonagall, yeah. Who Gordon assigns to the case despite the fact that they were just all making fun of him two stories ago. Yeah, and he did that last story – or the last time he was in a story too, didn't he? It was like uh, – you assigned him to the Batman case? Yeah, but there you kind of got the idea he was doing it just to kind of, you know... Yeah, get him off his play, back. Uh, play along with. Right, yeah. yeah. But here he actually says, 
Uh, you managed to round up the ugly horde last month when no one else could. Heavens knows how. Anyway, I'm assigning you to bring in the cat. Yeah, he must have got a lot of mileage off that last case. Uh, <laughs> I, I love this bit, though, where he's like, as sure as my name is McGonagall, shut up! <laughs> Gulp, yes, sir. That was really cool. That was like the first time, we, well, no, we've seen Gordon angry before, I guess, but it's kind of neat to see him do something other than just talk, I guess. Yeah. Get mad and stomp or pound his fist and all that. Um, uh, on that line, though, in the next panel, we meet Bruce. And the narration describes Bruce here as having an unsavory reputation of being a spendthrift society playboy, mm-hmm. which makes me wonder why he's so chummy or why Gordon is so chummy with him. Because you'd think Gordon would, wouldn't want much to do with him, much to do with him if he's such a yeah a layabout bum. I wonder if they'll ever address that because even regardless, regardless of what, whether everybody loves or hates Wayne, it just still seems like a weird relationship. Yeah. Like I'm just curious how it started. <laughs> Maybe Bruce just dumped a lot of money into the police force or something. Could I be. Yeah. I don't know. I, I doubt they'll ever address it, so we'll probably just make up our own story for it. Yeah. I mean, I would assume that Bruce probably did it on purpose because. He, right. found, he found out Gordon had a pension for bringing his friends along to crime scenes or something like that. But uh, <laughs> Dick needs a new tailor, though. Stat. Oh, God, they all do in this book. Yeah. But yeah, what's with all this? Plaid, I guess that's what that is? I don't I know. Yes. They're not quite as bad as those green pants he had on a couple of stories ago, but... <laughs> his vest Still. is kind of wonky, too. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But I like the little banter in this scene. Um, yeah. I suppose that's more or less a call for you to go into action. <laughs> yeah. And then I sort of figured you wouldn't just sit around. That's pretty cute. Yeah, apparently Dick doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> right. He doesn't know how lazy Batman is. Yeah. So lazy that he just walks out the front door in his Batman outfit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not very stealthy, but he probably just did it because the Batmobile is parked out front. Yeah, yeah, that's true, it is. And I like how he has to like do this awesome Batman leap over the couch before he, <laughs> he walks out the front door. He can't just leave. Take take the grocery list, you know. He's got to like, all right. <laughs> uh. <laughs> then he walks out the front door, pulls his cape up. Can't be yep. seen by anybody. Yeah, exactly. Did you notice, this is the second time we've gotten a, um, in the, let's see, the sixth panel, we, we got another reference to Dick being Bruce's ward. Oh, really? No, I did not notice that. It says, what strange talk is this for an idle playboy in his ward to ah, use? Awesome. The Batman book thought, has all the good stuff. Yeah. Uh, moving on to page four, we have Batback Returns. Oh, uh, yeah. It always looks good, though, but... Yeah. You can definitely feel the laziness, but it works. Yeah. Well, there was one panel later in the story where they had a perfect opportunity for Batback, and they they passed on it. So, and I'll point that out when we get there. But, so, they're not always uh, using the shortcut. It sounds like some sort of fungus. <laughs> but he, we have another instance too of him randomly coming across a murder that's absolutely key to the plot. Uh, yeah. I mean, on the one hand, at least he went out. Looking for clues, I guess, but yeah, it's it's awfully nice and coincidental that they decided to kill this guy right. in, in public right, right now. Batman was coming. Yeah. Yeah. But what's up with Batman's arm in panel? Ah, 
Batman's arm in panel four is the most atrociously foreshortened <laughs> arm in the entirety of comic book history. I wrote that in a note just so I could get it right. That is the worst freaking arm I have ever seen. It, it looks like Kane drew the crook and then drew Batman and then realized they were too close together, so he just kind of drew the arm at half size and, you know, Kirby maybe they won't notice. Kirby was probably <laughs> laughing his, his little butt off when he read this issue. Um, Even yeah. in the next panel, it looks a little weird. Not quite as bad, but a little weird. It looks like he's punching someone with his left arm but with a right hand stuck on it. Or something. I don't know. Um, yeah, it's like, yeah. It looks like he has a little baby arm, like like <laughs> like Quato or whatever from. I can't remember what that movie's called now, but. Um. That Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Right. The Mars. Uh, something Mind or something. Ugh. It's gonna drive me crazy now. They're remaking it even. I still can't remember. What it's Total called. Recall. Total that's Recall. It. Oh, yeah. that's just how ironic is that. <laughs> can't remember the title of Total Recall. <laughs> so yeah, the art is pretty disastrous on this particular page. I kind of feel it's disastrous in the entire story. Like this was the last story of the book, and let's just hurry up and finish it. Yeah, there is a little bit of rushed feeling to it. But that said, I do like the last panel where uh, the guy's taking a stab at Batman, and you see like their shadow stretch, stretched across the back of the wall. That's pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah. So a little bit of props, but a lot of laziness. Or maybe not laziness, but in a big hurry, anyway. Uh, page going five. From, oh. Going from one story a month to five stories a month, that tends to add a little to our clothes. Yeah, I think it's, you know, for every, everything I read, that's where all the ghost artists start coming in because he just couldn't keep up with this anymore. Yeah. And uh, he starts focusing more on the newspaper strips and just doing that. And letting everybody else pass themselves off as him, and then he makes all these ridiculous claims that he drew every 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 Batman story from like the beginning to 1954 or something. Like that. Um, anyway, page five, we get another of. I think this is just going to be his new signature move. The bat uh, judo flip. I guess it's just as weird as that. The last story, where I don't know how to explain it. Like the guys are just vertical. <laughs> Over his head, it's like a pile driver, except <laughs> not between his legs or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> At least he's not holding the guy by the head this time, like he was with Big uh, Boss last. That's week. true. That's true. And he's not tossing people off buildings. That used to be a signature move. So, <laughs> yeah. The guy dying and not getting out the last sentence. That always reminds me of Monty Python, but it makes me laugh. <laughs> the castle of. Anyway, this was before that movie, so... A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Uh, but moving to the bottom of the page, so if McGonagall didn't see the Batman until he almost tripped over him... Yeah, what did what was he objecting to then? Right, I mean, he, he if he didn't see Batman, he clearly didn't see the thug attacking Batman, so why was he yelling at the thugs? Right, because they were running around with guns or something? I don't know. And how did he even get there? I just realized, in my synopsis, I said that the thug hit Batman with a blackjack, but he hits him with a gun. Yeah. Ah. Not that it matters. He's still got knocked uh, out. Still. With the shooty end, too. I don't think you're supposed to do that. It screws up the alignment of the gun for all you would-be yeah, thugs out there. They're criminals, and ergo not too smart. So. Yeah. And that may not even be true. I learned that from reading Sin City. 
So who knows if that's right or not. Um, yeah, and how did McGonagall get there? That's just as random as Batman getting there. And yeah, how random is that that two crime fighters would come across a, a crime scene and at the same time... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Working on the same crime. Right. So either there was something that brought them there or... Yeah. It's just or, contrived. Or Con- New York City isn't as big... It wasn't <laughs> as big in 1940 as we thought it was. This is ten blocks. <laughs> it would explain a lot from all yeah. the stories, but... But you feel so bad for McGonagall on page six because Batman just punches him and then runs away. He is kind of an idiot, though. I mean, you may not respect Batman and want to arrest him, but you must realize that he's pretty damn awesome. Yeah. So to just handcuff him with his hands in front of his body <laughs> and then just letting him wake up, it's like there were so many more things you could have done there, I guess. But Right. Uh, a weird art note in this panel. We, we see Bruce's – or Bruce's – Batman's trunks, and they come a little bit farther down his leg. Oh, which yeah. is more like uh, bicycle shorts than Speedos, which is kind of weird. It's more Captain America-like. Yeah. Although I always picture Captain America with the same kind of Speedos. No, he doesn't really have Speedos. He's really? always, he's <laughs> always been more bicycle shorts, but his shorts and his legs are the same color. So it kind of just blends together. Uh, that could be why, yeah. I need to read more Captain America, I guess. So does everybody. Yep. <laughs> Always recommended. Um, it, it's quite nice, though, that all of the pertinent headlines that Bruce needs are, are just right there on the front page of the next morning's edition. Yeah. So it's a good thing nothing else that wasn't important to the plot happened that day because <laughs> Batman might have been screwed. Because then they'd have to spend two pages with him reading the front and then opening up the inside. Or... <laughs> yeah. Three three cents for the newspaper, though. Hmm. Wow. Three cents for a newspaper and ten cents for – a comic book where today it's 50 cents for a newspaper and three dollars for a comic book and that horrible coat he's wearing has to be free had, <laughs> had to had to have been free for a rich guy he certainly is not paying for a stylist because yeah that is a god-awful coat yeah and it gets worse on the next page but yeah um so there's three diamond syndicate guys yes right Right, but then uh, only Daryl and only two. Blake. Of, only two of them end up being the bad guys. Yeah, they never mention Blake again after this scene. Yeah, and he's like front and center in this whole conversation. Right. So that's kind of weird, but wonder what happened to that dude. He probably got away with everything. <laughs> but this whole page is just exposition, exposition, exposition. Yeah. I, I when I was first doing my synopsis, I skipped it entirely. Cause I'm like, that's just all exposition. We don't need it, you know. And then I realized that it, that's where you get introduced to Daryl and Hoffer. So I had to go back and actually write a couple sentences about it. Yeah, just a few. Um, but this next page, page uh, seven, this is where the cat head doesn't quite work for me anymore when she's trying to lay around looking sexy, <laughs> smoking a cigarette from those cigarette holders that right you know yeah it doesn't work as well when she's just lounging around the house in it yeah <laughs> it's like what the heck's the matter with this <laughs> uh, there's a weird kind of blobby thing on her chest too i'm not it's like a weird it's like they went to ink her her uh chest and they just smeared some ink on there and called it good and they spilled the bottle and whoops yeah. whatever yeah in the auction, I would like to think, just because I kind of got fooled a little bit for five half, you know, half a second, that the the uh, Lois Lane haired 
lady they put there who's wearing the $10,000 necklace. Oh, uh-huh. Like they were they did that on purpose to make us think maybe that was Catwoman and throw off the blonde, uh, throw off the blonde, but they probably didn't do that. I was just <laughs> thinking that was her, but they only have women with two hair colors in these books, so. Mhm. But let's see, $10,000 in 1940 is about $150,000 now. Wow. So that's a really expensive piece of jewelry and that's not even the one that was really expensive because the million dollar one that Catwoman stole would stole stole did <laughs> would be uh 15 million dollars wow by today's standards so it's oh, a lot of a lot of money a lot of dough a king's ransom as the guy in the white suit says mm-hmm. that's actually a pretty styling suit there the white the all white tuxedo yeah he, he apparently ignores the blue suit sales <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. so does Bruce on this page, who's wearing the most god-awful blue-and-white checkered suit that couldn't have been in style in any era of fashion. It looks like it goes with his god-awful coat from the last page. <laughs> yeah. Notice how small the cat's purse is on this page. And then we get to the next page, and she pulls her entire mask out of the purse. It's a, it's a bag of infinite holding for... <laughs> All my, it's a tesseract. All my D&D peeps out there. Yep. Yeah, it's either made of rubber and it just rolls up or something, or yeah, I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. It can't roll up because it's a full face, mat. It's It covers her entire head. It's not just the front. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm kind of bummed that she couldn't take these fools, though. Uh, there's only... Well, there are four guys, I guess, but... Right. Still, the Catwoman I know today could take four stupid thugs. Probably not in heels, though. Although the Catwoman today wears heels, I guess. She Never does, mind. sometimes. Never yeah. mind. Depends. Um, but then we get to the second awesomest bit of this story, in my opinion. Second awesomest? Second awesomest. Have we got to the first yet? No. Oh, okay. Is awesomest a word? doesn't sound right. It is now. It's the Legends of the Batman vocabulary. Okay, second awesomest part of this story is the Robin Roadster. Mm-hmm. I was very shocked and surprised and happy to see that Robin gets his very own car. Right. And they actually kind of name it because later they call it his racer. So Robin's racer sounds like a good name to me. Yeah. And it's even in some ways kind of color-coded for him because – Sometimes his cape is green. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's within the same family anyway. Well, his his um, tights and his gloves and his shirt are green. So. Oh yeah, there you go. See, so that's really awesome. Yeah, it looks like a little soapbox derby racer, and kind of, I guess. Yeah, I wonder how long this will last. I'd never heard of this before, so it must not be that big a deal. But yeah, there's no RobinRacer.com sites that. <laughs> chronicle the history of robin's racer but we should start one but then what we'd have to do is, is build a replica and chronicle our progress uh, and i don't know anything about cars so that'd well be... you've got kids so yeah know, a little soapbox car for him that's true i love how bruce goes into this party as bruce wayne not party whatever it was jewel auction auction thing yeah. as bruce wayne then goes upstairs and dresses up as batman and then complains that he can't leave without drawing attention it's like well if you had just stayed in the clothes you were wearing you could have probably just left yeah yeah 
Yeah. But it wouldn't have been as cool, so. We have a cool panel here at the end with – this is the panel I was talking about earlier where they could have used Batback and didn't. Uh, where he's climbing along the edge of the building and then we have nice, yeah. nice capage. It's very, very cool. So I guess I guess that's why they did it, but I just think that was funny. Batman has to go into action immediately when there's trouble. He can't play around. <laughs> he can't go eat lunch. He, he has to go into action immediately. That's not the Batman I know. So page nine, this is where I at first got confused. I mean, ultimately, once I read the entire story, it was fine. But I was right. like, why is he beating this guy up? Where did this come from? He just goes in and takes out Daryl, one of the, the Diamond Syndicate guys. Right. It explains it later, but it's the case again where we don't really get on the, on the ground floor of why Batman's right. doing what he's doing, which is kind of frustrating sometimes. Well, he did research, quote unquote research, as mm-hmm. we find out later. Yeah. But. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but we do have the return of the wireless belt radios, and it looks like Batman got an upgrade because he doesn't have to speak into the little. Megaphone sticking out of his crotch anymore. So I like that. I still don't get how he hears anything, though. Yeah, he doesn't have the uh, ear earphones like Robin does. That's weird. I know. Robin has to wear these gaudy old earphones. And Maybe Batman, Batman's are built into his cowl. Batman's just cool and gets to wear, you know, just, you know, hold out the walkie-talkie. And talk. <laughs> yes. I think it's cool that Robin was the guy who, like, trailed where they took Catwoman and so Batman could do his own thing. Uh-huh. It's nice to have a partner. But here's the thing, though. Here, here's And I thought of this as I was looking at the story before we started recording. Batman goes in and just – yeah, Daryl pulls a gun on him, but then he just beats Daryl up and knocks him out. Mm-hmm. And then he finds out that his hunch was right. So <laughs> if his hunch had been wrong, he would have just beat up this guy for no reason. Yeah, I guess. Exactly. That's okay, though. <laughs> Is, has his hunch ever been wrong? Uh, no. No. Not, not in stories we've read. No. Not so far. But I did like on page 11 how Batman just throws Daryl through the door. Get in there. Page 10? Yeah. Yes, page 10. Yeah, I like that too, but I think it's funny that Daryl instantly forgets that Batman was the guy who pushed him in there <laughs> and starts complaining that his partner double-crossed him. Right. Instead of saying, um, by the way, Batman's out there. <laughs> they, they instead get into this big old fight about who owes who what money. Greed blinds. Yeah. But I wonder when we get to towards the bottom, who is they, – they, Batman and Robin swing in, jump the, jump the crooks, and then somebody says, and that Robin kid, because they say it's the Batman. And then somebody says, and that Robin kid. Who is saying that? See, I assumed it was Robin saying that, and he was just being sarcastic. But now but the that speech you, balloon is pointing yeah. off the panel. Yeah, I didn't really notice that before, so that's a good point. It could be somebody else. And it would make more sense if somebody said – and that Robin kid, instead right. of Robin calling himself that Robin kid. But it would have to be the cat saying it because all three thugs are in the uh, well. No, no, there's one that's not. Okay, yeah, that blue guy, guy in the blue and white suit. Never mind. Yeah. Okay, that answers that question. Yeah, but they could have done a better job with that. Anyway. Yeah. Minor nitpick. I actually liked it better when it was the idea that Robin said it because I thought he was being clever. But anyway. Yeah. So Batman and Robin rescue Catwoman, and right away they go into the uh, – Batman and Catwoman go into the flirting, which I liked. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I like in the next panel that uh, the cat went after Hoffer, taking 
into account this this story in the last where she saved Robin from being killed, you really get the picture that while she's not completely amoral like most of the villains, you don't want to cross her either. No, that's for sure. And yeah, you like you said earlier um, at the beginning of the story, she's doing the whole cat scratching his eyes out, uh-huh. you know, to go along with her new cat personality, which is kind of funny, but also kind of sexist because again, it's like you cross me, I'm gonna scratch you with my girl nails, you know. I mean, <laughs> like, that's not really that scary. I mean, everybody's kind of laughing, you know. Batman's like, okay, kitty, relax. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But it's 1940, so what am I going to do? Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's 1940, and I, I hate to complain on it because of that, but at the same time, when, when we have the racist depictions of, you know, uh-huh. of minorities and, and, and Chinamen and whatnot, you know, we're, we're, we're going to complain about that, even though we understand why it happened. So, yeah. yeah. Good enough. Um, the Catwoman of today would probably hate this story. Let's just put it that way. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, Quiet or Papa Spank. It says it all right there, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, page 12 is horribly awkward. <laughs> Exposition. Um, There's only four panels of uh, of an eight-panel page of exposition. So. Yeah. I mean, I, it's hard to complain about this because they only have 13 pages, I guess. But I really do kind of hate when they just explain away all the stuff that he figured out off camera. Yeah. Just... Yeah, he he it says he did that's the problem I had with it. He says I did a little research work and found out that Hoffer and Daryl needed money to cover their losses their losses on the stock market. I figured something was up when that clerk was murdered. Well first of all, when did he do research? Second of all Right. We we had no idea of, of any of this. So oh. how are we supposed to it's just weird, you know. Right, which is why when he confronts that guy two, three pages ago, it's like, what's going on? Why is he beating this guy up? Yeah. Um, and also, this explanation, this whole Catwoman business, doesn't really explain why she was robbing those old guys, that old couple in the beginning either. Did that have anything to do with the Diamond Syndicate? Or was that just her trying to get her name in the paper and make Batman and start investigating things? Because if, um... if she had never robbed those guys, then he would have not known anything about all this. I assumed that was part of it. Like they hired her to, to steal those jewels and then they hired her to, to do more. Okay. Cause would they have profited if from insurance, if she stole those jewels or were they going to sell those jewels? I guess. I don't know. Maybe they were just going to sell those. Okay. Hey, or maybe it was completely unconnected. I don't know. Yeah. They don't really say they don't really. So say. yeah, but this, this does introduce a new gadget with the wrist oh. cameras. That's right. I thought was very cool. Mm -hmm. Very Dick Tracy. Uh, Kind kind of the same idea that they had in Detective Comics 38, but here they actually have a gadget. Yeah. Rather than just bringing along a camera. And it's blue. Yeah. Yep. All the gadgets are blue. I like it. (laughs) Except Robin's car. Yeah. That's a custom job right there. Yeah, he he, that gadget should be green because Robin's using it, but I guess he doesn't have that kind of authority yet. He's lucky he got a car. (laughs) <laughs> uh, oh that is I guess we pointed it out but that's our first Robin specific gadget is the car the racer Robin's racer yeah that's true Robin's oh. racer very cool I love it uh, but we also we both had the same note for the next thing you know Batman gets his first kiss oh see I was saying Batman and 
Catwoman's first kiss. Is that Batman's first kiss, period? First one we've seen, isn't it? I don't know. You because could be he right hasn't about had that. that many female villains. Well, he has Julie Madison. Did he ever kiss her? Uh, I don't think so. I don't recall that either. So, wow, yeah, this could be like first kiss, first kiss. I was uh-huh. just thinking first kiss between them, but because obviously they kiss all the time now. I like that it's it's a, you know, the pro is that it's a kiss, but the con is that it was a kiss with Catwoman who uses it to trick him into escaping. Right. Which is cool. Yeah. It's like you have to take the bad with the good when it comes to her. But did this whole escape sequence from pretty much where Batman says he has to take her in until the next page, mm-hmm. does that whole scene remain – does that whole scene remind you of something from the Adam West series? Oh, Sure. Minus Robin's dialogue, maybe not, but the rest of it, I, I can see that playing out with Adam West and Joel uh, Newmar. Even I can even see Burt Ward like punching his fist and saying, "Romance, bah." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love You'll understand that. when you're older, Robin. Yeah, I love that. He, uh, nice night for romance, eh, Robin? Romance, bah. It's just great. Yeah. Robin is Robin in the is, prior panel. I guess you're right about that. Too bad a crook like that has to get away, even if she is a girl. Yeah, uh, I I think they could have caught her personally. Well, yeah. But because uh, he has his Robin Roadster and she has like a VW Bug there or something. So. <laughs> and Batman has his high. I guess he no the Batmobile's not there. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah he has that high speed auto, but um, yeah, Batmobile's not there. So. Yeah. I think he just swung there or something. Even though it looks like they're in suburbia, so that's, <laughs> that's like the same way I always wondered, like how Spider-Man gets to those kind of places. It's like, what are you sticking your web to? But anyway, <laughs> the sky, yeah, in the video game. Clouds. Uh, it, it's very interesting that they're they've set the cat up as as a playful love interest and a villain. Uh-huh. We, we know it's that way today, but it seems rather forward-thinking when for 1940, when most heroes had their love interest. And damsel in distress, but were firmly opposed to anyone that crossed the law. Yeah, I mean, so, I know the the femme fatale isn't anything new, even in 1940, but in comic books, it's still a complicated relationship for a comic book. Yeah, right. Like she doesn't give up her life of crime to be with Batman, or right. You know, they don't get together. They can't get together, but they want to get together. So yeah, <laughs> it's pretty fun. Uh, and. Sadly, our last panels here of McGonagall forever. Forever? Are we sure about that? Um, pretty sure. I could be wrong, but okay. Um, if you think about it, though, he didn't really have a lot to do in this story, which is kind of weird. Like, if you take him out, it wouldn't have mattered all that much. Yeah, the only thing he did that would make a difference is that he chased away the thugs. Yeah, and, and, you, and you could have just had them knock Batman out and run away. What's the difference, right. you know? Right. Um, so it gave it gave Gordon someone to scream at. Right. And, and that's about it. I do like that Batman throws him a bone and gives him all the evidence and lets him, you know, close the case. Uh-huh. And I also like that that doesn't appease him in any way whatsoever. But <laughs> blah blah blah. Yeah, that last line is funny. Oh, blah blah, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Yeah, and the last panel is really cool too, with Catwoman kind of pining for Batman. And yeah, yeah. If this would have been a modern story, she would have gotten away with the jewels, I think. Yeah, could be, but that make Batman look like a fool, I guess. Well, yeah. Well, 
<laughs> no more than being shoved into the next room and <laughs> true. letting her get away. But True, true. All in all, you know, it was an okay story. I really yeah. like I like the interactions with Batman and Catwoman the best, for sure. That was the best part. And Robin's Roadster was cool, and that's about it, really. Yeah, I think this is the weakest of the three cat stories so far. I mean, the 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 cat Catwoman didn't even have to be the cat. It could have just been any random mm-hmm. thug or crook, because ultimately the story wasn't really about her, which kind of seems to be a pattern in the stories that she's in. It, you know, her second story she had to share the she had to share with the Joker, and mm-hmm. here she's only stealing because they hired her to do it, and then. Ends yeah. up being their victim. So, yeah. You know. yeah, it's kind of a bummer. She hasn't really shined yet, yeah. but and apparently it's not going to be for a while because when does she? Show I think this is our last Catwoman appearance until 1942, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, because it seems like which we will be covering for a, a year or so, real time. That really kind of baffles me because it seems like she would be a popular character that they'd want to use again, but. Maybe they didn't get a strong reaction to it. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe we they ass- laughed at the cat head. I don't know. Maybe we assume that they care what the reactions are. <laughs> I don't know. But like you, I did like the new things we got. I liked Robin's racer. And I liked the wrist cameras and the, the uh-huh. return of the wireless, wireless belt radios. So. Yep. If you're interested in reading this, it's in Batman, The Dark Knight Archives, Volume 1, and The Batman Chronicles, Volume 2. And that's the last story from the Batman Chronicles Volume 2 that we uh, have not covered. So, Batman Chronicles Volume 2 is, is over already, huh? Yep. Wow. I guess it went faster because Batman Chronicles Volume 1 was all detective pretty much. Probably. Right. And so when these Batman stories started – or the Batman comic came into play for our show, it's like each comic is five stories. That takes up a lot of space. Um, but speaking of space, we have more. one more thing for Batman number three. Uh, there is a pinup. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. It's called The Batman you, Says. Wait, 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 wait. You know we need to bring back for this, right? What's that? Legends of the Batman Theater. Batman says. Hello, readers. Now that you've read all these new adventures of mine and Robin's, I'd like to talk right at you for a minute or so. I think Robin and I make it pretty clear that we hate crime and criminals. There's nothing we like better than to crack down on the distasteful denizens of the underworld. Why? Because we're proud of being Americans, and we know there's no place in this great country of ours for lawbreakers. That phrase, crime doesn't pay has been used over and over again to the point where I hesitate to repeat it. But remember this, it's just as true now as it ever was. And that's plenty true. Sure. It may seem that lawbreakers do get away with breaking the law. Some may get away with it longer than others, but in the end, every crook gets what's coming to him. And that means plenty of trouble with the law. Robin and I hope that our adventures may help to put over that fact. We'd like to feel that our efforts 
may help every youngster to grow up into an honest, useful citizen. It depends on you, and you, and you. You've got to govern your own lives so that they can be worthwhile, fruitful lives, not lives wasted in prison or even thrown away altogether before the ready guns of the law enforcement agents whose duty it is to guard those of us who are honest from those of us who are not. And not only must you guide your own life in the proper channels, you must also strive to be a good influence on the lives of others. If you do all this, if you are definitely on the side of law and order, then Robin and I salute you and are glad to number you among our friends. And what the Batman says goes double for me. <laughs> so, get that, everybody? Jeez. Uh, the Batman hates crime. We get it. Oh, he's being far more proactive than that these days. Telling people to go to church. and Yeah. But the, the Batman is less than a year and a half old in the stories we're covering here, and he's just changed so much from those earliest stories where he was throwing people off of buildings and you know, snapping the necks of Cossacks. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're good America. We're, we're, this is the first of the patriotic stuff we've gotten from Batman. It's funny because you're always reading those stories about you know how Neil Adams and whatever went back to the roots, but it's almost like – it doesn't even seem like it could be roots if it was only – we're a year and a half in, and he's already not that way anymore. Right. You know? Uh, but the the Grand Comics database credits this uh, text to Whitney Ellsworth, who was obviously the editor um, at this time. And the, the artwork on the page is by Jack Burnley. It's actually the same figures that were on the um, cover of the World's Fair comic. So has Superman, by this point, been preachy at all, or – Talking to oh, the yeah. oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. he has the Superman of America pages. Okay, in just, just about every issue where he preaches on about you know the the club motto, which is strength, courage, and justice. So they're just following suit with that. Mm, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, except they're focusing on crime because that's their thing. Right. Whereas Superman's more about, well, I guess he's about crime, but it's a different kind of crime. I don't know. Yeah, it's more like the message is at the point I'm at in the stories now, which is um, actually a couple months behind where we're at on this show. But it's it's all been about uh, you know being a good citizen and and that kind of thing. Yeah. And not falling into crime, I guess. But it's not as focused on crime as as this text. Okay. Well, anything else? Anything else for October of 1940? No, I think we did it. Um, Jeez, I hope we did yeah, it. I think I think Batman number three as a whole was a, a lot stronger uh, of an issue than Batman number two, but not quite as good as number one. Well, Batman two two had oh no, it didn't. Batman one had the two Joker stories, right? Right. What did Batman two have? Batman number two had the Joker meets the Catwoman. Okay. It had the Wolf story. Oh right, right. Uh, the case of the Clubfoot murders. And then the case of the missing link. Oh, yeah. God. Okay. This was way better than that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. If you'd like to follow along with the show, we have a website. It's at batmanlegends.com. There you will find show notes for every episode and a little place to read, leave comments if you so desire. There's a link to our RSS feed so you can subscribe to the show and a handy-dandy contact form. You can send us a message so we will... Read it on the air. And also there is an iTunes link. 
And when that takes you to iTunes, you can subscribe that way. Or And while you're doing that, you can leave us a nice review there, or a bad one, but preferably a nice review. The more reviews you get, the more often we show up, so please consider doing that for us. Um, if you like what you hear, we have some other shows you may be interested in. Mike has a show about Golden Age Superman called The Thrilling Adventures of Superman, and you can find that at greatcrypton.com. He also discusses Green Lantern, the Bronze Age Green Lantern, with J. David Weeder and Jeffrey Taylor, and it's a show called Green Lantern's Light, which you can find at the appropriately named domain greenlanternslight.com. And I discuss the new 52 Adventures of Superman with J. David Weeder and John Wilson, and you can find that at new52superman.lipson.com. Next week, we are finally moving on to another month. We will be covering all things Batman for November of 1940, and I say that because there's only one issue, Detective Comics number 46. So until then, again, thanks for listening, and see you all next week. See ya. Batman created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, and copyright DC Comics. joys I have in life is when his rich, manly baritone caresses my ears with, Catwoman, you're under arrest. Oh, it makes everything worthwhile. <laughs>